this morning as we open in worship. Happy Palm Sunday. We're awfully glad to see you guys. You are, you are looking great this morning. But right now, let's lift our voices. Crown him with many crowns. Sing along. Isn't it good to be here this morning in Sunset Hills to worship our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, than not being here as we were last week? Amen? Amen. Yeah, I'm glad to see you, and it is good to be back in the house of worship. Hey, we're grateful for live stream, but there is nothing better than being on campus in the sanctuary together to worship our Lord and Savior. So I'm glad you're here this morning. May God bless us. Yeah, you can do that. May God bless us as we come together to worship him through music and song if, uh, and, and the preached word. If today is your first time to be with us, we're grateful you came this way, taking time out of a busy week, hard week, to come in and uh, to do that very thing that we call worship. If you haven't done so already, we would love to have a little bit more information about who you are. We hope you've already felt a very warm welcome. But if you would, again, if this is your first time, either stop by the welcome kiosk. There are folks out there 
who would just give you some, uh, uh, share with you a form, just give us your name and address. But you can also do it by texting hi to that particular phone number up there, and that gives us information as well, an easy way to do it. I'm glad to see you. Let's continue to worship this morning, a special day in the life of our church and in our Christian culture as we celebrate Palm Sunday. Let's celebrate this morning.
again. Sing this old hymn with us. You'll recognize it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand.
I'm purposely waiting for our children to go into children's church this morning because I just want to address the events of this past week briefly. It is difficult for me to put into words what we have felt in our community, the heaviness that we feel, the events that happened on Monday. Even as we worship, there's one not happy. We're just going to we've lived with heavy hearts for the covenant community and even as we worship a church and community a school family attempts to process their grief and deal with a stark reality of families who are missing. Mom and dad are taking care of things, so it's going to be fine. We hold this community in our hearts and long for the day when evil will be conquered once and for all. We hold on to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ who gives us hope when there is so much evil that surrounds us. We cry for, we hurt for and with, and we pray for God's mercy and comfort to surround the covenant community, the covenant church and school. I want to use a prayer that I saw this past week. It's not original to me. I don't normally read prayers, but I thought this one summed up my feelings as I saw it on Tuesday morning written by Scotty Smith and I share that today so I ask you to bow your heads as we hear this prayer Lord Jesus extreme sadness and vulnerability of fear and anger tears questions disbelief numbness and one prolonged to cry how long O oh Lord, all these come easy for us today here in Nashville. First, we pray for grieving families, children, friends, colleagues, neighbors, those most directly impacted by the terror and trauma of the attack at the Covenant School. Jesus, you do and will hold us fast, hold us tighter. Hold us in our deep anguish and bitter weeping. Hold us as we hold one another. Hold us as we cry out. When, Jesus, when? When will we never again have to pick caskets for our children wear black or be suspicious of anyone anywhere anytime how long Jesus 
How much longer do we have to wait for the defeated evil to become eradicated evil? The day is certain, but we want it now. When will there never again be any form of harm? Until then, you tell us. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. But for the gospel, this would mock our sensibilities. Jesus, help us, free us, hold us tighter. Free us to live and love towards the day when all swords and spears and guns would become instruments of tilling, gardening, and mutual nourishment. The eternal day when we live. We will live and we will finally be forever. Feast in the house of Zion. Jesus, we know the, the courts of heaven. There is a calendar of grace and providence. And we know if we knew, if we knew what we know now, our hearts would be at rest. But today... Thank you for the freedom to hurt so deeply and ask so intensely for you to hurry up the day of wiped tears and no more death. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Most of you know I grew up with three brothers. We were pretty mischievous, and from time to time we would get into some trouble. Not that it was all that bad kind of trouble necessarily, pretty much the trouble we got into was when we didn't do what our parents told us to do when they weren't at home. And quite often they would leave us as we were older and we did get into a, quite a bit of trouble. The four of us really didn't get along too well. And sometimes we would get into fights. I'm talking about like street fighting, you know, wrestling, throwing things at each other. Uh, wasn't clean fighting at all. And typically our fights would end up in almost every room of the house and often would end up outside the house. And many times my dad would get a call from someone who quite well knew our house, our home, our family in that particular community. And he would be at church working and he would say, Brother Paul, you probably need to go home. Uh, your boys are out in the front yard fighting. 
not exactly the kind of witness for a preacher's family that would be there. But any of you who have known my brothers and my family, you know that this is to be true. Boy, Randall and I got into a doozy of a fight one time, and man, well, I, I just, well, that's a story for another time, let me tell you. But whenever there was a fight, Mom and Dad would come home, and without fail, they figured out pretty quickly that there had been a rumble, and we would get summoned before Dad to share the story of why we were fighting, what happened. It's amazing how it was that no one ever admitted fault as to who started the fight. I don't know if that was that way at your house with your siblings or not, but it always seemed to be that way at the Durham household. In other words, it was always the other person's fault who started the fight whenever we got summons before Dad to tell the story. And for the life of me, I can't really figure out all that now, but it was never my fault <laughs> that we were fighting. We always blame the other person. We do that in life today, don't we? Likewise, I can never remember any one of us stepping up, taking responsibility for the starting the fight that messed up the house and sometimes it was not pretty it's the way the house would look literally in one fight that well I'll go back to Rondo and I had there was actually a cowboy boot sticking in the door to my bedroom stuck because of that fight but one thing I know for sure is this that not one single time did a single one of my brothers step up before dad and when he was about to dish out the punishment and say this, Hey, Dad, I know you're about to punish Steve, but I'll take the punishment for you. Not one time did my brothers do that. And not one time did I do it for them. I wasn't about to take the punishment for what my brothers did. In fact, it was the opposite. I celebrated when one of them got punished. I thought, there you go, you deserve that. Or sometimes it was, oh, come on, Dad, if that's all he gets for giving me a bloody nose and breaking the lamp, surely you can do better than that. Punish him more. So I ask you the question, has anyone ever stepped up and take in your punishment for something that you did. I mean, certainly you were guilty in this. In fact, if you were tried in a court of law, there would be no doubt that you would be found guilty and just, justice would demand that a punishment would be handed out to you by the judge. And just as soon as the punishment was handed out to, to handed down to you, someone came along and said, wait a minute, judge, I'll take the punishment for my friend. Has anyone ever had that happen for you? Anyone? Well, that's exactly what Jesus did 
for us. So the fact is, if you're a believer, every one of your hands should be raised. Because he took the punishment for you, for our sins. The amazing thing about it is that Jesus had no guilt in the situation. Whatever crime, whatever, if we don't call it a crime, whatever sin that you committed, he took your place, my place, to pay for it. And the method of payment was a cross. People wear a cross as a piece of jewelry today, even though so many do not have any interest, maybe don't even have any idea about the significance of the cross. The cross, as you see before us, very prominently displayed within our sanctuary, it is the sign of Christian faith. Without it, there would be no gospel. The gospel means that the good news and all of that's wrapped up in this good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's about one person. It's about Jesus. The gospel is good news. However, it cost God's son's life. And God has done everything necessary to captivate us with what will make us eternally and ever increasingly happy. And he did that through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him... Just let this sink in, the heaviness of this. God made him who had no sin. He's talking about Jesus here. To be sin for us. So that in him we might become righteousness. The righteousness of God. And it took that wretched method of cruel punishment for you and me to to be made righteous with God, to be reconciled with Him. That's what it means that when we use the word atonement, it used, that, that's what it means. And if you want to kind of break it down, it is at one meant. At one. At one with who? With God Himself. That personal relationship that we have opportunity for through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the payment of sin on our behalf, that we are at one with God, achieved through the cross of Christ, so that God and humanity could be in relationship again. The essential, the eternal debt that had to be paid got paid. Someone once wrote this, the author is unknown. A subjective person came along and said, and was talking about a man who was walking along, and he falls into a hole, 
And the subjective person said this, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall down there in that hole. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you're in the pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into a pit. A mathematician calculated how he fell into the pit. A news reporter wanted an exclusive story on how he fell into the pit. A legalist, legalistic Christian said, you deserve the pit. Confucius said, if you would have listened to me, you wouldn't have been in that pit. Buddha said, your pit is only a state of mind. A realist said, that's a pit. A scientist calculated the pressure necessary, pounds and square inches, to get him out of the pit. A geologist told him to appreciate and study the rock strata. An evolutionist said, You are rejected, mutant, destined to be removed from the evolutionary cycle. In other words, he is going to die in the pit, so you can't produce any more pit falling offspring. The county inspector said, did you have a permit to dig that pit? <laughs> a professor gave him a lecture on the elementary principles of the pit. A self-pitying person, person said, you haven't seen anything until you see, you've seen my pit. An optimist said, things could get worse. A pessimist said, Things are going to get worse. A sympathetic person might say, that's a pity. Jesus saw the man in the pit and took him by the hand and lifted him out. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. If we could just grasp the significance of what Christ accomplished on the cross for us in His death on the cross. Life is never the same. We just wrap our heads around it. Oh, sometimes we become so familiar with the symbol, the icon of the cross, that we seem to lose the significance of it. And we may have become too familiar with the old rugged cross because we are so far away from the time that it was used as an instrument of execution. I think it's interesting to know some things about the cross. It did not become a symbol of Christianity for over 300 years. There was a good reason for that. Because for 300 years following the death of Jesus, not only was the cross not the symbol of Christianity, but the church fathers, the, the, the group of men who led the church after Matthew, Peter, and John, after they passed away, the next group to lead the church 
it was against the rules to draw on or to in any way use the cross as a picture of art because they had actually seen one use and knew how cruel it was. Those early men saw their Savior die on the cross. Nothing glamorous, nothing artistic, nothing romantic, nothing spiritual, and there was nothing worth remembering about the cross. 2,000 years later, however, it seems to be romantic, artistic, iconic symbol of something that we've associated it with. But in that first century, when the cross was used as an instrument of execution, it was something that you didn't look at. It was still being used. It was something that you, as you walked down the road, maybe, and, and that you saw someone had been crucified on it, you certainly didn't cast your eyes on it. You didn't stare at it. If your family was with you, it would be one of those things that you would try to shield their eyes from. You didn't want your family to see such a horrific scene. And as the old hymn says, it was truly a symbol of suffering and shame. It was pain and a form of degradation on display. The cross was a form of execution used by Alexander the Great through the Roman Empire for 300 years past Jesus. Sometimes it was used as mass execution. Crucifixion was not performed in some faraway location from the general public. Instead, it would take place on the major thoroughfares, intersections at roads, at bridges, outside the marketplaces, because Rome wanted people to see what happens to, to those who raise their hand in rebellion against the empire. So they would put it on display for the public to see. It wasn't simply just a form of execution. It was a way of just reminding the people within the Roman Empire, we are in control, we're strong, and if you do not be submissive to us, you will endure the cruelty and the pain of the cross. It was so powerful to try to hold people in place, but there was something about it. It wasn't used for all the people, not for a Roman citizen. No, this form of punishment was against the law to be used against their own people. Crucifixion was primarily reserved for slaves and public enemies of Rome, those who sought to rebel against the empire and against the emperor. Crucifixion was not anything that we make of it. Thousands and thousands of people actually were crucified throughout history. Outside the walls of Jerusalem during the Jewish war that happened around 65 to 70 A.D., 
When Rome finally destroyed Jerusalem, over 500 people were crucified on a single day on a mass scaffolding. And they stopped crucifying Jews on that day because simply they ran out of wood. So crucifixion was extremely common. And yet, when you stop and think about the thousands and thousands and thousands of crucifixions that took place from the time of Alexander the Great until the time of Constantine, the reason that this is so great is not because of all those crucifixions. It was because of one. One. Single, solitary crucifixion. Crucifixion of Jesus. If Jesus had not died on the cross, you wouldn't see this symbol in churches today. If it wasn't for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that cross wouldn't really mean anything at all to us. In fact, there would probably the only reference that there would ever be made to the cross would be a, contained with that 300 years that followed the death of Christ. It would be just a page in history. Yet, there is good reason that the symbol of the cross has become the symbol of Christianity. There is good reason, more than just a decoration, that this one holds such a special place in our sanctuary. There is good reason that we have, many of us have crosses in our homes, in a prominent place maybe on a wall. There's good reasons that you find it on tops of churches and chapels and steeples and placed strategically throughout communities throughout the world. Why is it that? It's because of the significance of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The cross. The cross changed everything for the world, for a lost world. That cross that was to serve as a punishment instrument would be the instrument that would deliver atonement, peace with God. The price of sin would be paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ comes to mind is that old hymn what can wash away my sin say it with me nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing oh precious is the fountain But God demonstrates his love for us in this, 
while we were yet sinners. Let us sink in for a second. You could say it this way. While I was a sinner. While I was a sinner. I wasn't left out there to fend for myself. While I was a sinner, I wasn't left out there with no hope, with no future. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Christ died for us. We committed the sin, and God loves us in spite of our sin. But he didn't hold us accountable to pay the price for it. Instead, he allowed his son. Doesn't seem fair, does it? But in Christianity, that is God's way of working things out for us. When we did something wrong... Jesus was the one to take our punishment. Never before, never since has there been more lost and gained at the same time. The cruelty of the cross became the good news for us, for the world. And the world gained the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Can we capture that in our minds this morning? As we prepare for the week of Easter to celebrate that, yes, he died on the cross, but he rose from the grave. Can we capture what it took for him to be able to rise up from the grave? Not just simply that he died, any man that was there would have died, but it was God's Son who died, and in that he did an incredible thing. He paid the price for our sins. Can we just capture that in our minds? For it was on that cross, as he was hanging there, that our sins were forgiven. Not an easy task for him, but a willingness. Why? Why would he do that? The simple answer is that he loved us. And he was willing to carry out the will of the Father, the Lamb of God, who knew no sin, taking on the sins of the world. Oh, it doesn't seem to make sense in our culture today. Many can never bring themselves to accept and understand the need for the cross or what it's all about. That's not anything new. People misunderstood it. 
in the first century after the cross was used. Paul wrote about this. He said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The power of God to save us. The power of God to make us one with Him. The power of God to change us. To change us. Have you been changed by the experience of salvation? To change us. Oh, yes, it changed the world. There's a story told of an agnostic professor who visited the Fuji Islands. Fiji Islands. The professor remarked to an elderly chief, You're a great leader, but it is a pity that you've been victimized by those Christian missionaries. No one believes the Bible anymore. People are tired of the story of Christ dying on the cross for the sins of mankind. We know better now. I'm sorry that you were manipulated to accept their story. The old chief looked at the professor and answered, See that great rock over there? On it, we smashed the heads of our victims. And notice the furnace over there by it? In that oven, we used to roast the bodies of our victims. If it hadn't been for the love of those missionaries and the message of Christ they brought, you would be our supper. Does it have power to change? It changed the people. The blood of Jesus alone cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It allows us to seek forgiveness and restoration of fellowship with God through the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all, all unrighteousness. The blood frees us from any stain, any shame, any disgrace that people may try to attach to us. And the greatest love of God that, he's ever, that has ever been shown to mankind comes in the form of Jesus Christ, who takes on our sin and gives us the ability to be in a right relationship with God. Jesus laid down his life. It was the greatest love that could ever be shown to mankind. In these moments, I want you to hear the words of this song. Let us speak to you as we really try to capture the price that was paid so that we could experience the, atone, the atoning work 
of the cross. Thank you. 
This I know with all my heart. His wounds pay my ransom. As Good Friday and Easter Sunday approaches, One of the best ways a follower of Jesus can honor these days is to spend time taking a long, hard look at the cross and remember the price that Jesus paid, paid to restore what our sinful rebellion destroyed in our relationship with God. And that's what we're going to do in a moment. To remember the atoning sacrifice of Christ and what it cost Him and cost the Heavenly Father. To follow the commandment of Jesus left us to remember. If you did not pick up a cup of juice representing the blood with a small piece of bread underneath it, double stacked this way. The deacons now are going to come and they're going to serve you if you don't have one. In the quiet moments as they are passing out the elements, I encourage you to do that very thing. To hold the cups in your hand just for a few minutes. But in the meantime, while we wait and while we take the elements together as one, that we contemplate the atoning sacrifice of Christ.
Jesus told his disciples. And as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it and he broke it in pieces. He gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it. For this is my body. So as you take the bread and eat it, do so, remembering the broken body of Jesus. The broken body broke the power of sin. And his love for us was shown in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks for it. He gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. It is a reminder of how we are proclaiming the salvation that is found through the blood of Jesus and not a result of our own works, but only through him. For us. Necessary. The cross, the death, all that was associated with it. Because we're sinners. You're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. And at the foot of the cross, we found forgiveness. For all of us, we're in need of forgiveness. And the only answer to the sinfulness of mankind it's Jesus. He came as a ransom for us. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none that does good, no, not one. All we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to our own ways. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him 
and he with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. No. But to have something so much greater Everlasting life made possible by Jesus' death, creating a bridge for us to enter into heaven, bridging the gap between man and God that sin created between man's sinfulness and God's holiness. And the only way that we can approach God, that we can stand in His presence, because no one has right to, no one has the ability to, no one has the power to, but the death of Jesus on the cross, He, He made it possible. That's what the power of the cross is all about. Atonement. Reconciliation. Something so horrific, so cruel, that happened to God's own Son, pleased the Heavenly Father and created peace for us with him Jesus said you want to have that peace you want to have that hope you want to overcome the kind of evil that we have experienced this past week in our culture in our world you want to have that peace it comes only through Jesus Christ he says I am the way I am the truth and I am the life no one no one Come to the Father, except through me. If you're here today, you're searching for truth, you're searching for peace. You looked in a lot of places besides the one true place. You're searching in the wrong places, and the wrong people. That peace, amen, it can be found through Jesus Christ. He, He is our only hope. If you don't know Him, in just a moment we have an invitation. I invite you to come and get to know Him. By admitting that you're a sinner and that you need God to save you. By believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He died on a cross of Calvary in your place as your blood sacrifice. And to confess that you accept Him as the Savior and the Lord of your life. And if you haven't ever done that, it really is that simple. I encourage you to do it today. Father, we come to you. we ask you to speak to our hearts. 
We ask the Holy Spirit to be in this place to show us where we really are in that relationship with you. And if there's anyone lacking that, Father, today they would come and they would accept the love that was shown of Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. And Father, those of us who have already, we've already done that, Father, help us in these moments to be so appreciative of what it was that Jesus did on the cross that we're willing to say thank you hearts and in our attitudes Father maybe there's someone here that would be so grateful for that that they just want to come here and spend a moment or two in this altar just to say I thank you God at the foot of the cross I thank you for what you did Father let our altar be open to give you Praise and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen as we stand. As I we hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine own. i
so affect us this week that we can't help but celebrate it showing our faces revealed in our actions and our attitudes in such a way that people would notice we're so excited about it and we're not afraid to share it in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Maybe see it, please. Amen. It's great to be in the house of the Lord today. My heart feels the heaviness, but that's part of Easter. Jesus had to step through that portal of death so that you and I could have victory. And uh, next week we're going to be celebrating that Easter Sunday. I hope you and your family and Friends are making plans to be here to celebrate with us. Hey, we're going to continue to uh, celebrate all week long. Uh, today is just the uh, beginning of our celebration today at 3 o'clock. Um, we're going to be back, and hopefully a lot of you will be back. We have our, our, our big annual Easter egg hunt, and uh, I know our students and kids are looking forward to that. Uh, we have thousands, thousands, thousands of eggs that will be all over this campus and um, our lawnmowers will be finding those probably for weeks to come still. But hopefully, uh, our kids will find them all. And, and that will just be a, a reminder um, of how God, how good God is and how much he cares for them. So that's at 3 o'clock today. Hey, if you're not busy, uh, we'd love for you to come back, even if you're not signed up, to come back and uh, volunteer uh, just to, to be a part of the celebration today. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I know a lot of our students are going to be back to help with that, so uh, we encourage you to do that. Coming up this Saturday, we have men's breakfast, second Saturday of every single month, and uh, that's breakfast at 7.59. And uh, there's a rumor out there, I think it's pretty true, uh, that there's going to be homemade cinnamon rolls this month, so that's kind of a special thing. So uh, men's breakfast, men, come and join us for the fellowship, and uh, that'll uh, all happen at 7.59. So invite you to join us. 
So if you haven't already invited someone to Easter services, I encourage you to do that. Find someone that you know is not attending church somewhere and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Easter? I mean, it's a great, there's four times as many people that will come to church on Easter Sunday than any other time, and they may need to hear the gospel. And as we share it next week with the hope of Easter, the resurrection. Yeah, that Friday was hard, but thank goodness there was Sunday morning. Amen? Amen. I appreciate our church. I appreciate our staff. I appreciate Kelly. Um, We, uh, he and I, along with families, gathered on Friday evening for the funeral service, along with other people, friends, for the funeral service of uh, Martha Mitchell, and then again yesterday for the funeral service of Margaret Moore. So it's been, um, it's been, in addition to all that took place during the week, a tough week, and then, of course, you know we weren't here last Sunday morning because of COVID, but actually Kelly, myself, and Kevin were here, uh, another family was here, and I told them that, that man, you, you, they didn't get the word, so they showed up. I said, well, come on in anyway, and I said, you get the special treatment of being the only people get, that gets preached to in person today, and how special is that? I, by the way, for a certain fee, I will come to your house and give you a sermon. So, you know, Lynn and I had COVID the week before and missed, and man, it's just good to see you. It's just good to see you. But I, uh, yesterday morning, uh, knowing all the events that needed to happen this weekend, um, Kelly sends me a text, and he has a picture of one of those test strips for covid on the text holding it up to basically say he had COVID. I'm thinking, man, we got a funeral today he's singing for. We got church tomorrow, he needs to lead worship. Easter egg hunt, he's gonna be helping Courtney quite a bit with that. Why does he have COVID? Pretty soon, I get another text, April Fool's. (laughs) All I could do is write him back and say, now that's funny. (laughs) We need to laugh, amen? Let me close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we are looking forward to just a great week of celebration this coming Sunday and everything that we do. God, let us have a really great time today with our children's ministry. And Lord, we just love you for being so good. Lord, in everything that we do, let us never forget to give you praise. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, 
or maybe you just have a simple prayer request. We would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.